Welcome to the Life Fellowship Ministries International Broadcast. Our mission is to develop, maintain, and model personal intimacy with Jesus Christ. And now, join us for the Life Fellowship Experience. Making our relationship with the Lord our first priority, really making Him our first priority, has a tremendous impact on our life, of course, and our family. And so today I want to talk about my family and priorities. If, in fact, if your family is here, would you look at, look at your family? Look at your biological family. Now, look around at, at your, your spiritual family. Look at your church family. Look around. You see different colors, different personalities. God created us to be in a family. We were never designed to be in silos or to be on our own. God created you to be part of his family, but also part of an earthly family too. So my first point is we were created by God to be part of his family. Let's go to Romans 5.11. So now we can rejoice in our wonderful new relationship with God because of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has made us friends with God. We can rejoice because of what Christ has done, because the broken uh, relationship between God and humanity is restored through Christ when we receive him. But look at the last part of this. He has made us friends with God. Have you, have you ever really tried to understand or conceive that that God wants to be friends with you? Think about Adam and Eve. When, uh, when they were in the garden, God would walk with them in the cool of the day. And I don't think it was to give them instruction and tell them what to do and all that kind of... He was walking with them because of their relationship, because they were friends. And sometimes people have this concept of God that is so skewed and, and misunderstood that God really does love you. God wants to be your friend. And to have a true friendship requires a level of, of intimacy. It requires a level of vulnerability. It requires a level of trust. It requires a level of decision that we make. Jesus' sacrifice allows us to be friends with God. And look at the results of Jesus' sacrifice for us. You and I are made righteous based on the sacrifice for us. And here are some of the results. Let's back up in Romans chapter 5, verses 1 and 2. Therefore, since we have been made right in God's sight, in other words, we've been made righteous, we've been brought into right standing because what, what Christ has done, not what we have done, if we've done anything, the only thing we've done is receive, believe and receive in faith. But he paid it all. He's, he's done it all. And so, therefore, since we have been made right with God in his sight by faith, we have peace. Yes. Peace with God, not because of the world and the circumstances, but peace with God because of what Jesus Christ, our Lord, has done for us. And sometimes, I don't think we need to dwell there, but sometimes I think we re need to remember where we come from. And remember what Christ has done for us. Not just for everybody else, but for me. Verse 2. Because 
of our faith. Okay, we have to believe. That's faith. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not yet seen. If we see it, it's not faith. So faith is walking in trust and, and, and trusting him, even though we don't see it. Because of our faith, Christ has brought us into this place of undeserved privilege. Because we can't do anything to be good enough to get his favor. And fortunately, for some of us, we can't be bad enough to be disqualified. <laughs> and so we're brought into this place of undeserved privilege where we now stand. Sometimes I think we're, we're thinking, okay, well, I'm just going through the daily grind of life and, you know, I'm just trudging through and, and well, one day when I get to heaven, but we are in this place of undeserved privilege where we now stand. This is our one shot on this earth to do what we get to do. And I'm very, very passionate about the family because the family is the cornerstone built on Christ. And we can confidently and joyfully look forward to sharing God's glory. So one day we will be in his presence and we will experience the glory of God. But we can experience that to some degree here now. We can walk in the power and the fire of the Holy Spirit. We can live in victory but there's an enemy of our souls come to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus said, I've come that you would have abundant life. Not marginal life, but abundant life. And so we need to first understand that God is for us. And God wants to be our friend. I was thinking about this. I was thinking about people that join gangs. Why do they join gangs because they have this longing to fulfill an innate desire that we were created with to have this relationship with the Lord. But they don't have that. So they can get that through other ways. And if you think about a gang, it has some semblance of being a family. Now, most of the things that I've heard about uh, regarding gangs is is they're, you know, they're a group of people, but they generally don't have good intentions. And they're not there to drive people into a relationship with the Lord and things like that. But it has some semblance of a family. Why are people drawn to that? Because they're looking for that. They're looking to belong. Even if it's something that's not beneficial to them, at least they know that they have a family and they belong. A gang is not God's design. God's design is a healthy, vibrant family. God walked with Adam and Eve in the cool of the day. Again, God chose to create humans. Of all of his, of, of all his creation, his word says we are what? His prized possession. So he created the sun, the moon, the stars, everything. He spoke those things into existence and he, he created humans. Why did he do that? Because he wanted a family. He wanted a relationship, a real relationship. He didn't make us robots. He gave us one of the greatest things he gave us was a free will to choose. Let me say this another way that I hope will land. God chose to create you. 
You're not an accident. Well, my parents really didn't plan it. It doesn't matter. You are not an accident. God created you. God chose you. Regardless of the circumstances or any of that, you're not an accident. God chose to create you. Psalm 139, 13 through 17. You made me, you made all the delicate inner parts of my body and knit me together in my mother's womb. Let's think about this for just a few seconds. You made me and you made all the delicate inner parts of my body and knit me together in my mother's womb. I don't know how God can do that for six billion plus people, but this is his word. And God is beyond our comprehension. Uh, verse 14, thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. I was thinking about my wife the other day, and I was thinking how wonderfully complex she is. She's probably thinking the same of me. But think about it. Uh, okay, six billion people, which I can't even grasp that. But say if you were to take the six billion people, and you were to say, okay, I want to find somebody that looks just like me. Okay, so I don't know how many people that would be. All right. But we want to find people exactly like Mark. Okay, so we found these people, and they look like Mark. We gave them the same haircut. We dressed them the same. Can you tell, will the real Mark stand up? But nobody can tell because they all look alike. Okay, so you've, say you've got 10 people. And then you say, okay, well, let's drill down. Let's find the real Mark. Okay. So you begin to talk to them, and you, you realize that they have different accents. And they talk differently. And you say, okay, well, we can pare this down to five people now. It's one of these five. And then you say, okay, well, let's, let's drill down a little further, and let's talk to them and find out a little bit about their, pa their passions and their giftings, their personality. And there would probably only be one. There's no one else in the entire world like you. No one else in the entire world has the influence and the sphere of influence that you have. And if you look around this room today, you see God's beautiful creation and how he created all of us unique and different and individual. Thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. Your workmanship is marvelous. How well I know it. You watched me as I was being formed in utter seclusion as I was woven together in the dark of the womb. You saw me before I was born. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before a single day had passed. God is out of time. He's outside of time. So he knows. He sees the decisions that we're going to make, the, our life, all of those kinds of things. Verse 17, how precious are your thoughts about me? About me, O oh God. They cannot be numbered. How precious are your thoughts about me? I'm not, talking, you know, I'm not thinking about somebody else. I'm thinking about your thoughts about me. God specifically created you for the purpose of being part of his wonderful family. Imagine that you're, going, you're an artist and you're gonna, you've gone to school or you've, gone, you've taken classes and you're going to paint a painting. What would you paint? Would you just throw something together? Or would you want to do something with excellence? Now, I've seen some paintings that look like a three-year-old did, and they're masterpieces. I don't get that. But if you're going to do something 
and, and you have the ability to create something, you're going to do that to the best of your ability. You're going to do that with excellence. Say if you're going to make a vase or a vase, if you've seen that commercial. Uh, are you just going to throw some clay together and it's going to be real sloppy? No, you're going to take your time to do something with excellence. Well, when God decided to create you, Amen. he did something with excellence. He, cre he created you specifically specifically as he desired in his eyes you're wonderful you're beautiful oh well I, I really don't think I'm that good looking or you know I, in God's eyes he doesn't see like we see he sees a beautiful creation he sees you as wonderful he sees you as beautiful he sees you as amazing because you've got the fingerprint of God on your heart on your life and he doesn't make trash. He made you with excellence. So my first point is we were created by God to be part of his family. My second point is we should understand our God-given roles. We are his children. Remember last week I talked about Pastor Kobe and Shani, uh, or Pastor Kobe and the girls when they were here, and, and we were entertaining them. We were going somewhere, and, and one of the girls said, Abba, and it caught my attention. I'm like, that's a, that's a title for God. But what, what, we, what we need to understand is that's a term of endearment. Abba, that means daddy. Can we? Should we? Will you allow us to? That should be our heart. So we need to understand that he's our daddy. And for some people, that has a negative connotation because they didn't have a good earthly dad to reference. But that's not your heavenly father. He wants to be your daddy because he loves you. And secondly, we can be friends with God. That kind of blows me away to think about that. Although I have that level of a relationship with the Lord where I can go to him. The word says, come boldly into the throne of grace and present your petitions to him with thanksgiving. And so we have access to the creator of the universe to be friends with him. Familiarity, maybe you've heard this, familiarity breeds contempt or can breed contempt. And the Lord, is he's our daddy, and he may be our friend. We still need to honor and respect him. Yes. It doesn't mean we can just go and, and do anything that we want to do. I mean, even with my earthly dad, there was a level of respect toward him. I loved him, but, you know, it seemed like there was a time when I was about 16 to about 20, I thought I knew more than my dad. And I think that's a, a normal thing that young men normally go through is because they're like, I, I'm a man now. Well, if you're a man, get a job and pay your own way. Prove that you're a man. But there's that transitional process that happens or happened in my life anyway. And when I got to about 2021, I realized my dad wasn't as stupid as I thought he was. He actually knew some stuff. He was actually able to help me navigate through some things. But... We still need to honor the Lord. As your pastor, I appreciate our friendships. I really do. I value our friendships. You know, I, I tell you this a lot. I love you. I love you all very much. But my role doesn't change because of our friendship. Our friendship enhances our relationship. Now, some of you have met our, our awesome pastor, Pastor Don. And uh, Pastor Don and I have a very healthy and fun relationship. 
We have a good time. In fact, uh, he was here probably, what, about a year ago or so? And uh, he told me, he's told me numerous times, he said, Mark, that's the most fun Marvin and I have ever had, probably. Certainly within uh, recent recollection, we had so much fun. And so when we get together, we have a wonderful time. It's just a great relationship. And he's one of my best friends. But he's my pastor. He's a blessing to Pastor Christine and I. And whenever he's been here, I know he's been a blessing to you. And he's a continual blessing to everyone that we contact because he's imparted into us. And we're, we're like carrying part of his spiritual DNA. And this man is the most powerful man of God I have ever met in my life. And he is so filled with love. People are just drawn to him. And it's not because he's tall, dark, and handsome. But it's because of the Spirit of God in him. It's the love of God that just exudes from his life. But as a pastor, it doesn't... As, his, as him being my pastor doesn't alter my love, respect, honor, mentorship, I'm submitted to his authority. You know, part of it is because of the role that he's in and the, the position that he has, not necessarily the title. Being a pastor doesn't mean anything if you're not living it out. But, but more importantly, not only just because of his position, but because I know I know he truly loves me. I know he truly cares about me. Stop it. Really? You're going to do that right now? Well, there's, it's not really a joke, but um, I know he loves me, but I know my wife is his favorite. Okay. <laughs> I know that. I know. Okay, I'm secure in being number two. That's all right. That's all right. Probably a good choice. If, if I were in his shoes, I'd probably feel the same way because she is wonderful. But I know that he loves us and he truly cares. And I desire for him to speak into my life. Because a spiritual dad can see some things that are missing. Like when I was 16 or 17 and I thought I was all that in a bag of chips and I was a man, my dad could see through a lot of stuff. He could see some things. And so because I trust him, I want him to speak into my life because I know that he's for me. And it's okay for us to have discussions. We chop it up. You know, we, we have some really good discussions. And he, he allows me to, to speak into his life as well because we have this kind of relationship that allows that to happen. Still, there's great love, honor, and respect and so I think that's the kind of relationship that God wants to have with us, where we can just come to him with questions. Do you ever have any questions? You're like, Lord, I, I don't know how to handle my wife right now. She's kind of emotional. Can you give me some insight? I got this knucklehead kid that's acting up. How do I handle this? This child is different than this one. I used to be able to deal with this one this way, but this is a totally different situation. What's going on in their life? Their, what are their wounds? Why are they acting out? Lord, can you give me some help? Because I'm calling on you, Lord God, who has all wisdom and insight and understanding. But I'm also calling on you because you're my friend. And you speak the language of my heart that I can understand. 
So today I'm talking about my family. I'm talking about our family. We need to understand our roles according to God's design plan. A Christ-centered marriage is vital for a healthy family. Honestly, I don't know how we would be together if it weren't for Christ in our marriage. And um, marriage is the first institution that God created. Divorce devastates. I've been fortunate enough that I've never been divorced. I've been fortunate enough that my parents had a good relationship. I had a good uh, family foundation. But I don't have to go through divorce or see divorce, be a part of divorce to, to not see the devastation that it causes. Just in ministry, seeing people that have, where couples have significant issues and seeing a 10 or 12-year-old child feel like it's their responsibility to keep their family, their, their parents' marriage together. They have no control over that. They shouldn't be carrying that weight. And I see the devastation of a 10 or 12-year-old child carrying that that, is, that can create tremendous scars that can scar them for life, that can shape their personality of always wanting to fix things and feeling like they have to do it rather than depend on God. And they, they, they really can't do anything about it other than pray for their parents. But yet we see the devastation of divorce. And there's a good chance that many of you here have been a part of that on some level or watching online. Listen, there's grace for that. There's abundant grace. But that doesn't make it a good decision. That doesn't make it right. It doesn't mean that there are not consequences, significant consequences for those things. Long-term scars for adults and children. The enemy is attacking families. And his goal is destruction of the family. Again, he's come to what? Still kill and destroy. He takes no prisoners. He doesn't care. But it begins with the marriage. Pastor Christine and I have, well, when we got married, I said, look, divorce is not an option. It's not an option. I don't want to even hear that word. Divorce, no. Not going to happen. The marriage is a commitment to God and each other. I think we've forgotten that our marriage is a commitment to God. Okay? It's saying, Lord, I'm making a covenant with you, with my spouse. And it's a commitment to each other, for sure. And today, many people are just choosing not to get married. Well... It's only a piece of paper. No, it's not. Marriage is not about a lawful exercise. It's a heart covenant that you're making with God and that you're making with your spouse. And I guess I probably need to say this just to be clear. Marriage is between one man and one woman, biologically born. Okay. Is that crazy that I even have to say that today? But marriage is is about this heart covenant. It's a very, very serious covenant that we're making with God. And and many people take that too lightly. Oh, well, I'll get married if it doesn't work out. I'll just get a divorce. Mm -hmm. Understanding our roles. My family. My family is not a dress rehearsal. 
Your family is not just a dress rehearsal, something you're going through to get through to the next vacation or the weekend. Your life matters, and it has eternal, eternal repercussions. Dad, you're the leader of your home. Dad, lead in love. Lead with confidence. Lead with strength. We have confidence because the Lord, we know what the Lord has called us to, and we're connected to the source. And we lead in strength because we know that as we choose to follow him, he will guide us and lead us, and we can walk in that confidence. My wife told me years ago, she said, I'm not going to be weak so you can be strong. She's a strong woman. And if she weren't, I would probably run over her. <laughs> it's okay to laugh every once in a while. Um, dads, dads, you're not called to be dictators. Your protection, dad, your leadership, dad, your examples will be influential in your marriage. Dad, your protection, your leadership, your examples will be uh, influential in your wife. Dad, your protection, leadership, examples will be influential in your children, in your grandchildren, in your great-grandchildren, in your great-great-great-great-great-grandchildren that you will never meet this side of heaven because there's something that you are imparting and instilling into the fabric of your wife and your children that has eternal value. Your impact is immediate now. Well, you know, I'll do better when, when I hit their teenage years. I'll do a little better with this thing. Well, you have the opportunity as your children are growing up in their formative years to invest in them and to show them. They're not going to turn all of a sudden turn 18 and all of a sudden you turn over a new leaf and now you're the wonderful dad or you're doing all the things you should have been doing all along. Because, let's see, what is it? How do children learn? Example, example, example. And that example doesn't just come in one month, one day, one year. Husbands, love and honor your wife. The word says, husbands, if you're treating your wife wrong, God doesn't hear your prayers. <laughs> so as, as the Lord made you, husband, he also made your wife. Dads, your daughters may look to you as their example in a husband. I want to marry somebody like my dad. Women often look for a man like their dad. So here's a question for you dads. Maybe you have daughters, maybe you don't, maybe you have sons. Still a good question. Are you okay with your children representing or living a life that, that is exampled by you? If you have daughters, would you want your daughter to marry somebody like me? That's a question for you. Am I okay with that? Or if not, maybe you need to rethink that. Mom, nurture your children and support your husband. Everyone needs their mom. Whether you're 5 or 55, 105, there's nothing quite like a mom. You're gifted. You bring vital balance to your husband. Sometimes your husband needs a little balance. A husband's still the leader of the home as Christ 
is over the husband, the husband is over the wife. But your wife can bring some insight. My wife brings a lot of insight. And sometimes, you know, it's really good. I'm like, you know, I hadn't thought about that. And, uh, you know, I need to take this back to the Lord or I need to consider this. Sometimes I'm like, yeah, that's a great idea. But I don't think that's what the Lord is, is leading us to do. And so as, as a pastor, when people, we want creativity, we want people bringing ideas. So if you ever bring an idea, it's going to be yes, no, or maybe. And so it may be a great idea, but maybe it's not the right fit for where we are, or maybe it's not the right timing. And so that's kind of how I look at the uh, example or the things that my wife brings to me. And, you know, she, she's a strong woman and, and very intelligent. I definitely married up, and, uh, but I value her. And our value is not placed on our role. The CEO of the company is not more, more important than the janitor. Now, they have a different role. They have different responsibilities. But in God's eyes, he loves them the same. So, moms, you're important. Mom and dad, you need to work together. Okay, so you've got some conflict. Well... Okay, work it out. Because it's for the health and protection and training of your children. It's for the health of your marriage. And go to God, you know, when you have conflict. Our God-given role is not a matter of our value. It's simply His design for us. I was talking with a lady the other day, and she was struggling to release her daughter at college. And as I talked with her, I said, well, this, this was the thing that you should have been training her up for, right? As she's going to college, she may travel overseas to, uh, for a season. Our goal is to raise our children to become healthy, mature adults. I know, moms, you'd like your child to stay five years old forever, but, you know, <laughs> eventually you're going to want them to move out of the house. If they're 35 years old and they're still living at home, maybe there's, there's a problem there. Uh, but raise your, your children to become mature, healthy adults. Your home should always remain a safe place, a place of refuge. Parents are not called to be their children's best friend. Well, I just want to be their friend. Well, you can be their friend, but your first responsibility is to love, teach, train, equip, parent them. Prepare them for adulting. That's our first responsibility as parents. And you should be friends with your children. I mean, that, that's great. But your primary role is to train them and parent them and lead them. And sometimes a friend can't do that. That's why God gave them to you to parent them. Stewardship is taking care of and managing things that belong to someone else. Your children don't belong to the state. Your children don't belong to the school. Your children don't even really belong to you. They're given to you by God to steward, to train up and equip. And so it's a blessing that we get to do that. God is honoring you by giving you children, saying, hey, I'm giving you these children because I trust you. Now I expect you to train them up. Train them up in the ways of the Lord because they belong to me. They're mine. Help your children. Encourage them. Teach them. Challenge them. 
Do we ever grow if we're never challenged? It's okay to challenge them. Dad, I don't know how to do this. Okay, let me help you. Let me give you some tips. Let me show you how it's done. Prepare your children for the future. First of all, for their relationship with the Lord. So we take that very seriously, Life Fellowship. Our children's ministry is designed to bring the children and youth ministry and adult ministry. Every ministry is designed to bring us into a personal relationship with the Lord. And we don't want our children to, to know our parents' God, their parents' God. We want them to know God for themselves. Because at the end of the day, that's all that really matters is what's their relationship like. Train your children with... Uh, and, and, and education. Train them up. Listen, my dad never talked to me really about going to college. I wish he would have, but he worked in a plant. And he said, hey, you can go to college or you can work in a plant. You can make good money there, things like that. But I wish that there would have been more conversations about what do you like to do? What do you want to do with your life? What kind of career would you like to have? Talk to him about finances. Teach him how to budget. Balance a checkbook. You know, just basic understanding to stay out of debt, to return the first 10% of their income, their increase to the Lord, and save 10 or 15% and live on 75, 80%, whatever. But teach them those things. I'm so blessed when, when I'm told that some of our youth have tithed. They send in some money. They're tithing. They're learning those basic fundamental principles that will go with them forever. And so I'm so glad to see them here. I'm so glad to see all of you here because people are watching and we are leading by example when we, when we tell our children and we teach our children church is a priority. Let me ask you, if you went to church randomly every few months, what do you think that would instill in your children when they're adults? Well, mom and dad went, you know, they were CEOs Christmas and Easter only or whatever, whenever they felt like it. Whenever there wasn't a football game on TV, what, whatever it may have been, right? But when you say, no, son or daughter, we're going to church. Every Sunday we're going to be involved in the life groups. I want you involved with youth group. I want you involved. It has an impact in their lives. And it's instilling something in them. And they're going to have a, a probably a greater chance of carrying that forward when they get married than not. So three ways your children learn again are what? Example, example, example. Okay, now, all right, all right. I thought maybe you'd forgotten that. It was kind of quiet there. So teach them how to maintain their relationship with the Lord. And you do that through coming to church, being involved in life groups and stuff like that. Teach them to be independent. Teach them the, the Word of God so that they have the wisdom and understanding and they can call upon the Lord. They have that level of relationship. Teach them to be responsible. I thought you told Johnny you were going to help him move this weekend. Yeah, but I don't really feel like it. I, I've stayed up playing video games. Well, you get off your butt and you go help him. You told him that you were going to help him. Now go do it. Well, I don't want. Well, maybe you should have thought about that before you agreed to it. Teach them to be responsible. Teach them good work ethics. Teach them how to manage their money. Teach them budgeting. Teach them how to get along with others. Teach them how to manage conflict. Teach them how to handle failure. What happens when you fail? Listen, in life, not everybody gets a trophy. 
So you've got to learn to deal with rejection. You have to learn to deal with failure. Failure in some ways can be your friend if you learn from it. Teach them life skills that they need. So we were created by God to be part of his family. We should understand our God-given roles. Use scripture to teach your children so they can teach their children, who can teach their children, who can teach others. Fifth commandment, Exodus 20, 12. Honor your father and mother. Then you will live a long life. Then you will live a long, full life in the land the Lord your God is giving you. Okay, so he's writing to the children of Israel, but God has given us land. He's given us a station. He's given us a place. And so we can live a long life in the land, in the position, the neighborhood, wherever, the community where we live. Ephesians 6, 1-4, children, obey your parents because you belong to the Lord, for this is the right thing to do. Amen. And the Lord can say that because, children, you belong to him. And, and God has placed parents over you to help you, to lead you and guide you. <coughs> Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise. So we see that it's a promise from God that we will live a long life and we will be able to live victorious. I'm not saying that we don't have challenges and problems because we will. The Word says, you know, that, that we're going to have challenges, but those things can build our character. So um, let's see. Verse 3, Ephesians 6, 3. If you honor your father and mother, things will go well for you and you will have a long life on earth. So again, reiterating Exodus 20, 12. It says here, fathers, do not provoke your children to anger by the way you treat them. So apparently that's a possibility. And sometimes our fathers and their zeal to train and equip, we can maybe be a little harsh. But he says, do not provoke your children to anger. Rather, bring them up with the discipline and instruction that comes from the Lord. And so whenever we've had our nephews, when they do something uh, wrong or disobey, if I'm really upset, I say, okay, go to your room. I want you to sit there and think about what you've done. I come in, and I say, okay, have you thought about it? And they're like, yeah. Okay, what did you do? Well, I don't really know. Okay, well, then you need to figure out what you did. I want you to tell me what you did wrong. Okay, all right. Now I'm gonna I'm gonna paddle you if if that was you know what needed to be done. It's because I love you, and so I would paddle them, and then I would pray with them, and I would reaffirm my love for them, and I would explain to them why they had to be punished if they didn't get it, and then we would move on. And you know I think that's a somewhat of a pattern the Lord does for us. You ever feel convicted of something? God doesn't condemn, but he will convict. Holy Spirit will convict us. And then sometimes there are consequences for our disobedience. So rather bring them up with discipline and instruction that comes from the Lord, not from your emotions. Children, always obey your parents, for this pleases the Lord. Fathers, do not. 
This is Colossians 3, 20 and 21. Fathers, do not aggravate your children or they will become discouraged. So we're talking about our family today. In this series, I think uh, it's been a little bit different because I felt like the Lord wanted to just give some, some practical things that we can apply in our life from our relationship with my Lord, my life, my family. And next week, I've got a, another really exciting message. I'm excited about uh, my community and, and what the Lord says about some of that. But Paul to Timothy, one of several requirements for spiritual leadership in the church, 1 Timothy 3, 4, and 5, he must, speaking of a man that wants to be a leader or requirements for leadership, he must manage his own family well, having children who respect and obey him. It's a requirement for uh, spiritual leadership in the church. For a man, if a man cannot manage his own household, how can he take care of God's church? In Titus, uh, Paul is writing to Titus here, and, and Titus 1.6, an elder must live a blameless life. It doesn't mean that we never make mistakes, but do you have the character of God? When people look at your life, do they see God's presence in your life? Titus 1.6 continues, he must be faithful to his wife, and his children must be believers who don't have a reputation for being wild or rebellious. Whenever we're teaching, whenever you're here on Sunday morning, whenever you're here for a life group or youth or whatever that may be, the goal is that we learn, that we be trained and equipped, that we have the scripture and the truths and the principles reiterated into our life. But also, I see all of us as leaders we're all in full-time ministry, maybe not vocational ministry, but you have a sphere of influence like nobody else. And so as we're trained up, then we can go and train up and equip others. So that's part of the goal. It's threefold, that we're, we're trained up and equipped, that we're reminded of the things that we need to be reminded of, and also that we can go and train and equip others because there's a whole world of people out there that may have religion but they don't have a relationship there may be a lot of people out there that have scriptures memorized but they don't go out and live it and so the world is not looking for religion it's looking for people that can live the Christ-filled life that are impactful that are filled with the love of God that they can experience on a tangible basis our obedience promotes blessings for our children. Look at Deuteronomy 12, 28. Be careful to obey all. Say all. all. Be careful to obey all my commands so that all will go well with you and your children after you. It continues, because you will be doing what is good and pleasing to the Lord your God. 1 Peter 1, 14. So you must live as godly, obedient children. He's not just talking to children. He's talking to adults, too. Don't slip back into your old ways of living to satisfy your own desires. And so that's why we're intentional, not from a religious standpoint, but from a relational standpoint of not slipping back into our old ways to satisfy our flesh, our own desires. And then verse 14 continues. You, uh, you didn't know any better then. 
The word says if we know it's sin and we sin, we're sinning. <laughs> Pretty profound, right? So we know better. When we know better, we can do better. And please hear me. This is not about performing. We can't perform our way into this relationship. It's about yielding. It's about the, trans, uh, the transformation of our life that can only happen through Christ. Because if we could do it on our own, we would probably, maybe. Maybe not. <laughs> so we were created by God to be part of his family. We should understand our God-given roles and we should use scripture for our life, but also to teach our children so that they can teach their children who can teach their children. Spend quality time with your family. Take time to read scripture. Take time to worship. Hey, family, come on. We're going to come in the living room. We're going to put on some worship, and we're just going to worship for a little while. Get them acclimated to entering into the presence of God. And remember your role. Remember the responsibility that God has given to you. God has specific, specifically given to you certain things that he's called you to do that no one else can do that have not only an impact now, but an eternal impact. These are things that each family member can do to build and strengthen not the family, but your family. I'd like for you to bow your heads and close your eyes. If you're here this morning and you don't have a relationship with the Lord, or maybe you walked away at one point in time, but God is beckoning you back. God is calling you back. Would you slip up your hand and catch my eye? Anybody here? There's no shame in that. Thank you for that. Anyone else? Let's pray this prayer. Maybe you're watching online. Just pray this prayer. Say, Dear Jesus, I ask you to come into my heart. I ask you to come into my life. I ask you to forgive me for all my sins. I receive your grace, your mercy, your forgiveness. And I thank you for this new beginning. I thank you for this fresh start today. January 28th, 2024. And I ask you to help me in the challenges and the things that are before me. And help me to grow in my relationship with you. So if you prayed that prayer, I want to pray one more prayer for you. Lord, I pray for the fire and the power of your Holy Spirit to wash over every person that prayed that prayer. And as they read your word, your word would come alive. As they spend time in prayer, they would hear your small, still voice, that they would be able to differentiate between your voice and their own voice, or the voices of the world or the culture or whatever. And that you would do something amazing in their hearts, Lord God. And they would come into this intimate relationship with you that maybe they've never experienced or never experienced on that level. And so we pray these prayers with great expectation. Jesus name. I want to do uh, one more thing as we're closing out this fast. I want to just pray through these five things that we've been praying for. If you'll just join me in prayer. Lord, I, I pray that you will show us any areas that we're not yielding to you. 
If there's any areas in our lives, Lord God, that we are not yielding to you, maybe we don't even know that we have a closet that's closed and bolted and locked shut. And you maybe you want to open that door up and you want to take that stuff out and remove it, purify it, backfill it with more of you. If there's anything in our hearts and lives, Lord God, that we need to yield to you, And then we pray that we would trust you enough to go into the deep recesses of our heart and examine and see if there's anything there. And and we ask you to help us, Lord. We pray that if there's anything in our marriages, Lord, that you want to heal, that you want to address, that you want to shine your light on, let us be open to that. If there's anything going on in our children's lives, grandchildren's lives, Lord, we pray for revelation and understanding that we can see through the exterior to the heart of the matter. And that you will bring health and healing and wholeness and strength to us, to our spouse, to our family. We pray, Lord, that you will give us clear direction for our building project and provide the abundant resources to facilitate what what you've given us to do and the timing and all of that, Lord. We know that you own the cattle on a thousand hills. You own the hills too. So $5 million, $20 million, that's nothing to you. So we're praying for the resources, whatever it is, all that we need to, to get this building project going in your timing. We're praying for believers throughout the world to be protected and to have the abundant provision for their needs. There are people that we support in ministries that are literally putting their life on the line, their children's lives on the line for sharing the gospel of Christ. And so we pray for their protection, supernatural protection and provision. Lord, we pray for our nation's protection. We pray for bold, godly men and women to lead our country back to you, Lord. We don't have to look very far to see the chaos happening, not only in America, but across the world. And Jesus, only you can fix this. Nobody else can fix this. And so we we pray for a revival. We pray that there would be an outpouring in tremendous measure we ask you to start with revival in our hearts. Let us love the things that you love and hate the things that you hate. Let us love your creation, people, your prized possession. Give us the love that you have for them and for us. Give us a passion for the things that you are passionate about. So we ask these things in Jesus' name take a couple of minutes and let's ask the Lord if there's something else that he would like to say to you.